Hello, I'm Jason Dick, and this is the CQ on Congress Coronavirus Special Report. We are bringing you daily updates on the policy news you need to know using the reporting prowess of CQ Roll Call. Today is Monday, April 13th, 2020. It was one month ago today that President Donald Trump declared a national emergency. We've been working very hard on this. We've made tremendous progress. Uh, when you compare what we've done to other areas of the world, it's, uh, it's pretty incredible. He promised a mobilization of public and private resources to attack the coronavirus pandemic. Since then, much has been left to the states to decide policy and procure items needed to fight the virus. Today, the governors of New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, Rhode Island, and Delaware said they would work together on reopening their economies and schools. However, in a tweet today, the president wrote, Some in the fake news media are saying it is the governor's decision to open up the state, not that of the president of the United States and federal government. Let it be fully understood that is incorrect. But the Constitution gives governors and the states the authority to regulate their affairs, particularly when it comes to disasters and health emergencies. The president does not have the authority to compel them to ease restrictions they have imposed to address the coronavirus pandemic. Republican Governor Mike DeWine, who imposed sweeping measures early on in Ohio, told a Washington Post webinar today that he shares ideas with neighboring states. He also said it will take both states and the federal government to restore some sense of normalcy. I mean, you know, I think historically that people have looked to the states uh, and they've looked to the governors uh, to be the ones who make um, decisions in regard to health issues, floods, how you react to all kinds of crises, you know, obviously uh, you're, you're going to have the president's involvement and the White House and Congress's involvement. Meanwhile, Congress has been unable to agree on when and how to provide $251 billion in additional funding for the Forgivable Small Business Loan Program, known as the Paycheck Protection Program. The stalemate continued even as House leaders said they did not expect to call members back to Capitol Hill until at least May 4th, barring anything unforeseen. Tonight, we begin with David Lehrman, CQ Roll Call's budget tracker, on the latest. Uh, I'm David Lehrman, CQ Roll Call's budget tracker, and I've been covering the financial cost of the numerous aid packages winding their way through Congress, since there's another one on the way. And we've now had a bunch of projections showing that this year's deficit is going to reach $4 trillion dollars. So what a difference a pandemic makes, because just a few months ago, fiscal hawks were sort of up in arms about the return of trillion-dollar deficits, and now that figure is going to be quadrupled, it looks like. Numerous groups have come out uh, today or recent days with projections of close to $4 trillion, if not more than $4 trillion. And that's because, of course, uh, Congress has opened the fiscal spigot here three times in the last month. Uh, that amount to about $2.5 trillion being pumped into the economy uh, as they try to rescue uh, the economy from from collapse here, from the coronavirus. So uh, we had a Goldman Sachs estimate of $3.6 trillion, and we've got uh, an official from the Club for Growth who says it could actually approach $5 trillion uh, when you include legislation Congress may pass in coming weeks. So the red ink keeps rising, and we will be watching it. Hi, this is Mary Ellen McIntyre, healthcare reporter for CQ Roll Call. 
A White House spokesman says that President Trump has no plans to fire Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease specialist and one of the health officials advising the administration on its response to the COVID-19 pandemic. The pushback comes after Fauci appeared Sunday on CNN and admitted that lives could have been saved had the U.S. responded differently to the initial threat of the virus. If we had, right from the very beginning, shut everything down, it may have been a little bit different, but there was a lot of pushback about shutting things down back then. And yesterday, Trump quote tweeted a former congressional candidate whose tweet included the hashtag FireFauci. Conservatives have been critical of Fauci recently. As evidenced by Freedom Caucus chairman, the Republican Andy Biggs of Arizona, and Ken Buck of Colorado, who penned an op-ed this weekend criticizing Fauci for minimizing the economic effects of the pandemic. Fauci's advice to maintain social distancing restrictions have countered Trump's interest in relaxing economic and social restrictions, although Trump has publicly said at his White House briefings that he likes Fauci and that he'll listen to the advice of health experts when making plans to reopen the country. Trump also took to Twitter today to suggest that he would oversee the direction and timing of efforts to reopen the country rather than the nation's governors. He said his administration is working with the governors, and he has said that he would announce a task force this week to draft a plan for restarting things. Meanwhile, two coalitions of governors representing different regions of the country today said that their states would work together to draft plans to start returning to a more typical way of life. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced a group of Northeastern governors that would focus on developing a plan, while Washington Governor Jay Inslee said he'd be working with Oregon Governor Kate Brown and California Governor Gavin Newsom to reopen their states. Both groups of governors say that economic plans at this point should come second to public health concerns, as officials hope that they soon can start directing people to return to work at some point in the coming weeks, and officials begin planning how to make that happen. Hi, I'm Tanvi Misra. I'm an immigration reporter here at CQ Roll Call. I'm currently working on a story about H-1B workers, um, many of whom are facing particular challenges due to the conditions created by this pandemic. So these are workers in so-called specialty occupations. And while often this visa program is associated with tech workers, um, it also includes people who work in the healthcare industry, in engineering, in academia, and various other uh, uh, domains. Um, So around 65,000 of these uh, visas are given out each year. What's happening now is that, like many other workers in the country, uh, you know, many of these workers are finding themselves either laid off or furloughed um, because, you know, of the kind of dramatic downturn that the COVID crisis has ushered in. Along with their jobs and livelihoods, the kind of situation these workers are finding themselves in is that they might actually also lose their legal status as a result of this. Um, So that's because these visas come with really strict requirements and timelines that beneficiaries have to keep up with in order to stay in status. And, you know, doing so in this kind of a pandemic with its um, you know, the, the stay-at-home uh, uh, recommendations and, you know, the kind of economic crisis that has resulted from it is becoming increasingly burdensome. And what appears to be happening is that a lot of these workers may not uh, be able to meet these conditions anymore. So I spoke with I spoke with one worker today, a young man from India who, you know, did his master's in the United States and has lived and worked here for the last seven years. So he's worked in the tech industry. Um, And, you know, he was working in New York uh, up until recently, um, just about 10 days ago when he was laid off. Uh, What the rules say uh, is that he has to find another job 
uh, in the next 50 days. So within 60 days of, you know, not being, uh, of finding himself unemployed, he not only has to find another job, but he has to find an employer who is willing to sponsor or petition for him for the same kind of visa again. If he doesn't do that in that amount of time, uh, in that um, that very strict timeline, he might find himself having to live here illegally. And, you know, he was telling me, for example, that, you know, perhaps at another time he would have left the country, um, you know, in keeping with the law. But at the moment, he's from India and India has, like many other countries, uh, instituted very strict travel restrictions. So he may not even be able to go home. Um, if he finds himself falling out of status. So, you know, it's a really difficult situation where a lot of these workers are finding themselves having, you know, uh, played by the rules, but then uh, now in this kind of extremely difficult situation where they're falling through the cracks. And that's it for April 13th. For the entire CQ Roll Call news team, I'm Jason Dick.